1: Podcast. I'm Ray Harkins. Thank you very much for listening to the show and the episodes in general. Um, you know, I appreciate uh, all of the random emails I got from uh, you know taking last week off just because I did not feel like it was uh, you know the appropriate time, taking up space. You know, just kind of acting like everything was normal because uh, you know let's be honest, nothing is normal. Nothing's been normal for quite some time. Um, But last week in particular just felt extremely heavy. But I'll I'll talk more about that in a moment. We have Will Putney who is on the show this week, and he plays in a band called Fit for an Autopsy. But more importantly, he plays in a band called End. Uh, Maybe not more importantly, but more, I guess, relevant of this exact moment because End just released a new record last week called Splinters from an Ever-Changing Face. It's a brutal, visceral record. I am a very large fan of it, and I've wanted to have Will on the show for a while because we ran across each other when we played some shows together, I want to say, in 2018. And um, I've been a fan of his production work for quite some time. He is uh, the producer du jour right now, um, you know, and has been for, you know, the past couple of years. If you were a heavy band, Will Putney is for sure on your list to work with. And I think that uh, the work that he does is, uh, is pretty awesome. So Will and I dove deep into it. And I, uh, my mind was blown. I'm not going to lie because he had a whole different trajectory for his life. Um, music was always a part of it, but uh, just this, this really interesting kind of, um, you know, uh, I guess career path that was opening up before him. And he was like, "No, I, I just, I just can't do this." So, we get to discuss with him in a moment about that. But uh, yeah, you are you okay? Please take care of yourself. Whatever it is you're doing, um, we are just in in absolutely insane times. And uh, the best thing that you can do for yourself is ultimately taking care of yourself, you know, whatever it may, whatever that may mean to you. And, uh, you know, holding your loved ones close and, you know, being able to support where you can, not only financially, but of your time. And, uh, you know, I I feel much better than I did last week just looking at these uh, incremental pieces of progress that uh, we've been able to see in regards to all of these peaceful protests that have been happening around the country and trickling down to suburbs and small cities. And it's just, uh, it's unbelievable. I've, I've never witnessed anything like this. Um, and seeing these changes that, uh, you know, police departments are starting to make across the country. Um, you know, I know there are small steps and they are, uh, you know, it's part of the, uh, you know, arc of history, that uh, these things, you know, happen uh, not in you know a single downpour, but in raindrops, and uh, I'm just very excited to be able to support in every way I can, whether that's uh, you know donating financially, uh, showing up to some protests where I can, and uh, I'm just I just encourage you to you know figure out what this whole thing means to you, um, because it's not as simple as just like well I am not a member of the Ku Klux Klan, so I'm not racist. Uh, There's a lot more to it than that, which, you know, frankly, I kind of, you know, have always thought of that of myself, where it's like I have never thought about people being less than me uh, because of the color of their skin. But uh, what does that actually mean in regards to um, systemic racism and uh, how that affects us, uh, not only as individuals, but as society? So yes, I would, I just highly encourage you to, uh, to reckon with that on a real, real level. And these protests are making a lot of people do that. And, uh, you know, just this past week in, or this past weekend in Los Angeles, it was like 20,000 people showed up of all, you know, range of races, genders, you know, diversity was completely, completely represented there. And it's really, really heartening to see that. So, that's, uh, that's what I'm feeling now, So, and I, I feel so good about that, that, uh, you know, I, I want to have these episodes release, and I want to be able to uh, have these discussions, because I find in times of, you know, uh, I guess, crisis, in times of stress, is that when you are able to listen to conversations with people, um, it's, it's comforting, you know, you feel like you're a part of it, um, and that's what I want to be here for you, the listener. So, anyways, here's Will. Like I said, end just released a record, really, really good, called Splinters from an Ever Changing Face. You can listen to it on any streaming platform you want, and uh, yeah, here is Will. <laughs> person when we did those uh, dates in canada with uh end and taken and it was one of those things where um you know you immediately struck me as uh you know a dude who's obviously kind of you know down to hang and you know play shows and kind of your um you know a quote-unquote typical band dude and I, I don't mean that in a disparaging way um but at, at the same time that you know you you seemed pretty uh reserved like and i Again, I don't mean that in a bad way, just in the, like, you know, you're not the guy that's like, you know, you're not uh, Brendan, the life of the party, so to speak. (laughs) So I, uh, I presume that people have a certain expectation Uh, You know, when they're like, you know, heading into the studio with you or, you know, maybe think you are a certain person and then you turn out to be something different. Um, You know, do you have any kind of sense of like maybe what people, uh, you know, I guess kind of expect from you or if your reputation precedes you in any any capacity? Or is that something that is just something you don't spend any mental energy towards?
2: I think it's a combination of a a couple of things. I don't uh, I don't act differently. I just I just am who I am, you know. but I definitely, you know, when I get to know people, I'm probably a little more outgoing of a human being, you know. But, uh, but yeah, like you said, I don't, I don't, I'm like, I just feel older around people at shows sometimes. Not that I am very old, but I don't feel like, I don't drink or do drugs or anything. So there's no like party mode for me. Party mode for me is like spending, hanging out with my friends and making jokes on tour and stuff like that. So I definitely, if you ever met me at a show or if you meet me for the first time now, I'm not full on in your face, you know, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I think, I, I don't know if going, if just being isolated makes me more antisocial, like, like sometimes I fear like it does, you know, um, because a lot of my work is just like me in a cave with just a few people at a time, you know, spending all of my time making records and stuff like that. So maybe I am like a little more, you know, I guess, uh, unapproachable or antisocial, And it's not intentional or anything. It's just like, I'm not just used to being around lots of people all the time. You know, I'm normal. Like I don't, I'm not, it doesn't bother me. I just, I've noticed that over the years that I'm like, yeah, it's like it's becoming fewer and far between where I'm actually just surrounded by a lot of people. It's strange. yeah. To be, to, like to, to notice that you know like you know my wife works in new york and she commutes to the city every day and she works for this company so she's always around all these people and i've noticed like that we interact with new people we meet differently and she's a little more outgoing and i'm like yeah I, i guess it's just because of what i've become you know um But I never, you know, I'm nice. I think I'm nice. I don't try to be, like, mean or unapproachable. If somebody wants to talk to me about anything, I'm always down, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I, I I, mean, I think it is, Uh, you know, it, I'm glad you've, you know, kind of reflected and put some thought into it because it is interesting where, you know, you, you definitely thread a unique needle of, you know, being, a, you know, a band guy, but then also being, you know, creative as far as your, you know, music production is concerned. And that's obviously what lends you, you know, credibility because you're not just like this you know, a producer who's good at producing records, like, you know, clearly you have, uh, you know, talent outside of that too. And so, you know, I, I think it does put this like, um, you know, uh, the, these two worlds that you kind of have to exist in where it's like, you know, even though you obviously don't actively tour, but just that notion of like, you know, the, the show experience and being around a lot of people, but then you're like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm usually only around, you know, two or three people, you know, maybe for a month <laughs> otherwise
2: yeah it's like uh i i don't take it for granted anymore like i i definitely have made in the past few years i was like i should go to more shows you know because there was a period there where i wasn't i was just like working a lot and my friends would come through or bands i had recorded would come through you know new jersey or new york and um i would be like oh i can't make it tonight like i i gotta work and i would i wouldn't like reserve i wouldn't like carve out time for my schedule to just go to more shows and like i don't know the past year i wound up going out to more shows and uh it was good for me like i definitely felt like uh it was like more of like a connection to that world than i had had in in, like the previous years and and it was like it just felt good to like reconnect to some of that stuff you know and every time ang goes out we always have a blast and then we come home and I'm like, yeah, I should do this more. Like this is good for me to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and we are, you know, like we've, uh, we've actually, the bands talked about it and, you know, and like, obviously with the state of the world right now, it kind of sucks because we were gearing up to do a lot more, more than the band ever had. And then, you know, a bunch of things got scrapped. Um, but we're going to try to do that again once like everything kind of turns back on because, Yeah, we all like it. You know, it was like Greg is in a similar situation that I am because he produces records all year and doesn't tour full time. And, you know, we all felt like, hey, this is like, this is fun to do. Like these songs are fun. We all like doing this. We should probably try to do this more, you know?
1: Yeah, right. No, and it's it's good because I think that – you know, and I'm sure you experience this in, you know, the production of records and, you know, that, uh, that notion of when bands kind of lock themselves in this sort of perpetual motion machine of touring. And really that's their only life experience. You know, sometimes it's really hard to, uh, you know, not only creatively come up with more stuff, but then, you know, actually have something to say on their, you know, sophomore or third LP. And usually it's like, you know, that's when a band gets kind of trapped into just writing about tour or whatever, when you don't have these other experiences, but, you know, to your point of kind of being able to dip in and out of that and do something that, uh, you know, creatively satisfies you while also being able to play a couple of shows, like it gives you that holistic balance.
2: Yeah. I think that balance is important. And like, For bands that over, I wouldn't say over tour, but for bands that are so full time that don't reserve moments to do other things in their lives, I do think it's uh, in a way sort of counterproductive for them too. Not only for the mental state of just like never being home and I mean, there's a, God, there's a million fucking pop punk songs about missing your home or not wanting, you know, and it's just like, yeah, you don't want to become that guy over time like where you've just disconnected yourself from the the actual world and only live in a band you know with five people and i think that balance is like is is important you know it's healthy for bands to like take breaks have a hobby that's not music do something else and then you get to like come back to you know creating music and touring like fresh and energized again and you know i've seen bands burn themselves out you know you put out a record you get some hype it, it, it gets traction it goes well people want to see you you're all over the world like just playing shows playing shows never stopping and then it's like you know okay we're making another record and it's like we haven't even you haven't even had a chance to catch up you know you haven't even like the the like cramming in records in between touring cycles like is, is can be really you know destructive for bands in that sense and it's like you know i've definitely when I've been approached by them who want to make records who haven't really given themselves time in between tours I'm like maybe we should do this like why don't we do this later why don't you take one more month and like actually just go home and be normal for a little bit and then jump into you know another record and sometimes it really helps you know yeah um so yeah it's that balance is super important
1: yeah no for sure it's it's cool when uh, you know, and I think a lot of that comes from, you know, just age and perspective and understanding that, um, you know, the constant pursuit of success does not m- equate to, you know, the appropriate creative output, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you do need that balance like you're talking about. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, so kind of focusing on you as a person, um, you know, I, 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 I mean, I know you, but I don't know you at all at the same time where, you know, were you born and raised on the East coast? Like what was your kind of, you know, uh, I guess growing up like.
2: Yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, I lived in New Jersey my entire life. I, I uh, was born in like central Jersey and, you know, lived lived up to there through high school and then moved up closer to the city to go to college. And I've kind of been in North Jersey, um, you know, my whole adult life, I guess, in in and out of areas around, around New York City. Um, and yeah, never moved, never moved away. Um, I actually am pretty grounded here now because we just like kind of, we just bought our new spot, which will be my like house and studio and kind of everything on this one big compound. Um, so I'm going to be in New Jersey for a while, probably till I'm done making records. And then I'll probably head somewhere a little nicer. <laughs> per <se>. but, um, <laughs> sure. Cl- more yeah, climate. Yeah, you know, I, I like the East Coast. I mean, I've been everywhere and I, I do like the East Coast. It's probably not where I want to die and retire, you know um maybe somewhere by a beach would be cool but uh where right now i like being in an area where things happen in the music industry and all the shows come through and um it's accessible for everyone and uh you know all my friends and family are here and stuff so i'm I'm just i'm just gonna be here for a while you know
1: yeah no for sure um and so and what was your i guess household like you know like mom and dad in the house brothers and sisters
2: yeah, I've uh, pretty normal uh, childhood upbringing. You know, my, I have a sister and my parents uh, were pretty supportive of me as a kid. Not super supportive of me doing music. It was the, I did well in school, so they always just wanted me to be a doctor. And, you know, it was like a, that, that was a struggle later in my life when I tried to switch gears with them trying to understand how uh you know recording hardcore bands was going to make a <laughs> Pay the winning, bills yeah 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 i think they just didn't understand it initially until it started to work and then they you know now they you know my mom thinks it's great now my dad's out of the picture nowadays but uh i have a very supportive mom who is the best and um he she's uh she's way on board with all my life choices now which is great
1: yeah, no, that's awesome. And are your sister younger, or older than you?
2: She's a little younger than me. Um, she's a citizen. I call her. She works in insurance.
1: Sure, she's a civilian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a, she's a, she's a normie, but yeah, she's got a she's got her own family with a husband and two kids, and um, yeah, everything's good on that side. No, no crazy family stories.
1: Yeah, no, no, that's awesome. I, I, the only reason I dig into that is just because, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, even though people may have a very, uh, you know, sort of uh, typical upbringing the you know, what you're talking about in regards to when kids start getting attracted to a subculture, regardless of your background, even if parents are totally understanding and supportive, uh, they still run into the notion of just like, this is not conventional I don't know how to describe this to my friends what my ch- ch- children are doing. Like, you know, it just it becomes yeah, of course, right, and course. it becomes difficult. But,
2: yeah, I mean, as a child, they always supported me doing music, but I never probably just always saw it as something that would be a hobby for me. You know, I mean, my mom used to drive me to band practice when I was like fourteen years old and couldn't drive, and so you know, like, in they you know, I wanted guitar lessons as a kid. So they I mean, they they always supported me like pursuing the arts, but I don't think they realized that it would be more than a hobby one day. And yeah. then when that sort of turned over there were some hard conversations of me you know, yeah. Hey, I think I'm dropping out of college with like ten credits left to go record dance. <laughs> just couldn't couldn't really process like that was a tough one to swallow for a while but then what i mean once they saw how committed i was to it and where like how it was going to be i was going to be okay you know it 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 was uh i think it clicked for them eventually when they got their heads around
1: it. yeah for sure for sure um you know so what uh what did your parents do for a living
2: um my mom works um in insurance also okay like uh she works with hospitals and kind of is like a is, is coordinates between doctors and patients handles sort of questions claims and, and so yeah yeah it sure. works yeah yeah the the good old uh the good old medical industry um yes she's been doing that for a long time she's good at it and uh she's very busy right now that's I, for sure i could
1: imagine i could imagine
2: <laughs>
3: Hey, this is Sam Mataro. I sing for a band called Drain from Santa Cruz, California. I'm here to tell you about our debut record called California Cursed, now available on Revelation Records. This summer we're going on tour with... Go to revelationrecords.com for more, and here's four seconds of what we sound like. Wow. I'm stoked to be part of the Revelation family. Let's take the remaining 26 seconds to dive into what it means and what's up at Rev. Revelation kicked things off in New York City in 1987 with Warzone, Lower East Side Crew. After that, Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, Judge, Inside Out, Chain of Strength, and many more. The times changed in the early 90s and Rev was
4: there with artists like Quicksand, Texas is the Reason, Far Side, and Into Another.
3: There's new music from World Be Free, Constant Elevation, Urban Sprawl, Dare, and reissues of the classics from Inside Out, Side by Side, and Orange 9mm. Check out the Spotify playlist series it's all at revelationrecords.com um and yeah.
1: s- and so and, and like you said like you know when you're kind of you know going through school like you got uh, you know good grades and like you did you find yourself i guess um, you know, and this isn't to, uh, you know, like, uh, puff up your ego or anything like that. But, you know, s- school comes easy to some kids in regards to, like, oh, this, you know, I can do this and get a B, or I can try a little harder and get an A. Like, where did you find yourself? Like, did you, you know, really have to, like, work hard for stuff? Or was it like, no, I'll just, I'll find these Bs, and I'm cool? Uh,
2: no, I was, like, a, I was like a smart ass in school. I didn't, uh, I uh, was just pulling straight A's, and was very bored with school. Got it. Um, I would like barely study, go to hardcore shows, like, you know, still get an A. <laughs> you're
1: I, you're, I, one I, of, I, you're one of those kids that teachers, uh, this is just, you know, uh, I come from a family of teachers. My wife's a teacher. My mom's a teacher. So it's one of those things where, <laughs> you know, they always have that one student where it's just like, man, it, they just, it seems like they just don't care at all, but like they're still getting, you know, okay grades. And man, that's, uh, you know, not every kid can do that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I had, yeah, I had a, there were a lot of weird talks with, you know, school shrinks and principals and parents in the office, because I'd be, like, pulling straight A's, but, like, getting suspended and getting into fights and, like, doing dumb shit and pranks and, like, I was never um, a good, like, I was a I was pulling good grades, but I wasn't a good student at the school, you right, know, and right. there was a lot of, like, we don't understand, why are you like this? Your grades are, like, you could be going to an Ivy League school, like, you're, if you keep messing up like this, you know, I, I was just a lot of, I don't, you know, it's just me being a kid and having fun and being an idiot, like, it didn't, you know, looking back on it, I could have, like, ruined my life, but I, I guess I didn't. Maybe deep down, I just never was interested in anything. I was really studying anyway, you know. Sure. I mean, I... I'm, it's not that I'm not interested in math or science, but it's like, I don't know, maybe earlier than I, then it kind of, before it even came to the surface, maybe earlier, I realized that, you know, everything I was like, studying and trying to pursue in college, and maybe I just didn't really care about it, you know. Um, yep. no, yeah, I,
4: I, I totally get, get it. You know,
2: I'm not a dummy. I did do well in school and uh, without really having to try. Uh, it just, it just. It's just how
1: it went, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just like, like I was saying, it just, you know, there are certain, uh, you know, certain things like, and especially it doesn't necessarily, uh, mean that you're, you know, an incredibly smart person. Like you might've just been able to obviously understand how to kind of play the game. Like, you know, the moment where it's like, oh, if I put this, this much effort into it, I'm able to achieve this grade. And like, when you sometimes know how to do that, like you just, it's just about, oh yeah, this is how I can get through high school with these sort of grades.
2: Yeah, I think I, um, I, you know, I, I definitely had to work for my grades, but I definitely wasn't, I could, I was never a teacher's better and overachiever, you know, um, I probably did the bare minimum to keep those grades and then just work, did other things with my life, you know? Um, yep. but yeah, I like, you know, I'm lucky that, you know, my life didn't take a weirder turn there and, you know, some of my silly mistakes in high school didn't turn into like being expelled from high school or like not being able to go to college because I have this thing on my record or anything like that. Um, you know, it would have put me down a different path in life maybe who knows. Um, so looking yeah. back, it probably, I probably wasn't, I was probably making stupid decisions, but, uh, you know, it all, luckily that's what, it's that's what, out. yeah, that's <laughs> what,
1: that's what you're supposed to do as a kid. Uh,
2: yeah, um, I feel like, I, I mean, now I'm like, you know, if I could talk to myself when I was 16, I would be like, just, just don't do this. Like, you, you know, like, do you have to like punch a kid or like, or like get suspended or break this or like, do you have to do this? Could you just not and then not get grounded and not like almost ruin your life? Like, you know, so I, I don't know.
1: It, yeah, uh, make, make some, yeah, right. Make some different decisions. Yeah. how would, would you kind of consider yourself like uh you know reflecting back on that like were you kind of a a troublemaker per se or was it one of those things where yeah, you I think,
2: okay I think it was just a reaction to like the kids I was with in high school i was i I wouldn't say the only but I think in my grade and like I was probably literally the only kid who was into like hardcore um and uh i all of my friends I live on a border between two towns. Very close to the edge of one side of a town where it was Sayreville, New Jersey, and all my friends are from Sayreville, New Jersey. When I was in high school, because I worked a job, and that's where I met everybody. And those are the kids who were basically in my neighborhood. And that school was like right down the street from my house. But I would I was bused like twenty minutes another way to go to this to go to Oldbridge High School, which is like um, you know of one of the biggest high schools in the state, and um. I was just on that town line where like I didn't go to high school with all my friends and went even like as a in through middle school all the kids I went with in middle school wound up going to like a Christian high school um it, it, because it was a better it was a better school it was like more of a private school style thing, and uh I'm not christian, so i I wasn't able to go to that high school so I like from middle school and then into high school, I basically never went to school. I never went through high school with my friends and uh, the stuff that I was into and the music, you know, how polarizing high school kids could be like, I'm the weird like heavy metal kid in, in this school, you know? And uh, I didn't have any friends that I could like connect with, with like my hobbies or, you know, outside of, you know, the the music I listened to, it's very defining characteristic of who you are in high school. you know. Totally. Totally. So like, yeah, even though I had, like, I was doing, I was, like, you know, being normal, trying to fit in, like, still making friends in my classes. I, I wrestled a little bit in high school, so I was, like, doing sport, you know, doing things, but I was, like, I don't know, I just didn't really have a connection. I mean, you know, most of your friends like the music you like. It's just a thing that happens. You just gravitate towards people like that, you know, cause you share similar tastes and interests. And, uh, yeah, I, I was, like, on my, I, I was, like, on an island in high school where I was never really good friends with en- anybody in my school. So uh, a lot of, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of trouble making a reaction to that. It's just feeling like, yeah, I'm like this, I'm just this man, odd man out here. So I yeah, you could be that guy. Sure. You, know?
1: you couldn't. Right. No, I understand. Cause like, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you're, when you're experimenting with so many different things, it, you know, and trying to find yourself in high school and like, you're just trying to find your, you know, community, even though you obviously don't even know how to articulate that at that point, you're just, like you said, you're trying to fit. It's like, Hey, I'll I'll do the sports thing. I'll do the music thing. I'll do the, you know, whatever thing in order to try to find those people. Um, and obviously it wasn't until you, you know, kind of got swallowed up by music and realized that that was your community, but yeah, I I totally understand what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it was just, that's just a moment in time where, you know, that's how I was, but luckily high school and for everyone Yeah. You know, the real
1: world. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah so and, and uh, I'm going to presume that you know just based on your descriptions of your kind of you know your, your sister and your mom and stuff like that that like you didn't come from an incredibly like musical household or like music wasn't something that was like you know kind of handed down to you from your parents um, it, so where did I guess kind of the introduction of independent music kind of come to you was it uh, you know um, well,
2: my father had a guitar it's funny. I'm like actually staring at the guitar right now because it's sitting in this room. But it's like the uh, <laughs> it was this acoustic guitar, and uh, like he never really played. Like he, he I think at one point he had tried to play guitar, and uh, and uh, it was always just it was like around the house. So I, it was like the first like guitar that I had never been able to play, you know. But they weren't like um, they like music and stuff. They just like you know like old old white people music like Elton John, Billy Joel, Neil Diamond, that kind of thing. My uh, my dad was obsessed with Neil Diamond. His favorite artist, and just the softest, the softest rock, you know. I was my my music was very anti that stuff. Maybe just from, uh, being brainwashed with all that music as as, as a child. Not that I don't like now. I appreciate all that stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't something that I was really into uh as no. a kid. But they were into music. They and supportive of me doing music. They just weren't um you know, the, I, didn't, I don't come from a family of musicians or anything like that. It was just, it was all kind of self-taught through the way.
1: Got it, got it. And so, what you know, I guess how did how did that kind of get introduced to you? You know, just because like you said, you were kind of, you know, on your own devices and, you know, you had some friends from that perspective, but, um, you know, were you just kind of finding out about stuff on the radio, then you started to kind of dive deeper or was MTV kind of an entry point?
2: Um. Yeah, it's like, I MTV was definitely cool. It definitely helped me hear music I would have never heard, you know, because I think with my circle of friends that were around me and my family and stuff, I wasn't exposed to anything like that. So, I do have to probably give that a lot of credit to showing me grunge music and alternative music and stuff like that. And uh if it didn't exist, I don't even know if I ever would have been interested in like picking up a guitar, you know. I don't even know if I ever if I would have heard it until I was older in life, and then maybe I would have been in a different place or I would have had different tastes, you know. Um, but I I uh, my real introduction was when I was like 15, I started to work at a supermarket, or 14 or I guess 15 I was, and uh, I had met some kids there who all played instruments too, and they were into the hardcore scene in New Jersey, and there was a couple bands at that other high school. That had played shows in the area and stuff, so I actually like started to go to shows around that time with these kids, and that was like my first introduction into, you know, they were opening for touring hardcore bands and like the more popular local New Jersey hardcore bands at the time. So that was like really my introduction into that world, and I was just very into it right away. You know, we had we had started to go, we went to a show or two, and I was like, I want to start a band, like I want to do this now. Um, <laughs> So, that's so, that's so, awesome
1: like, what yeah. were what were some of those yeah. bands because i mean you're I, I taken played uh you know many many shows in new jersey and there were so many sure, i
2: would i would have caught taken at some point in new jersey around ha- like ha- hamilton street cafe nine or so oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah i guess um i don't know if you remember club in a which would turned into club chrome but that was really yes. like the spot that was where, where everything came through um later in life i wound up working there Cause I was like, this is just like where I want to be all the time. And I was like door guy for a minute, did security stuff for a minute. I was like, yeah, I I spent a lot of time at that place.
1: That's Um, awesome. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. All all the, every, you know, everything on the, on the East coast and then the bigger touring stuff just came through that area in that time. So through my high school years, I mean, I was so lucky where we were. I got to see everything that was cool. You know, Um, I, I, I talk to kids now, who are like, yo, oh, this band, like, I wish I could have seen them. I'm like, yeah, so I'm like five times right down the street from where I live. Yeah. Um, <laughs> totally. And, and, yeah. It's like, I don't, I couldn't even, the list is endless, you know, I couldn't even fire off everybody, but it's like, I don't, I, I was spoiled it, as far as hardcore shows went. We saw, we got everything over here.
5: You yeah.
1: Know? Well, and I, I, I loved, yeah. I loved New Jersey too, because it was always, I mean, being from California and then going to the East Coast and being like, wait a minute you can play like six shows within two hours of each other and they're all drastically different shows. Uh, you know, dr- like different kids are coming out. Whereas like, you know, in Southern California, you're like, yeah, you could play LA, San Diego, Orange County, but like, you know, then you got to drive up to San Francisco <laughs> and it's like, wait, you could just like hang out in New Jersey and then pop up to New York and pop down to Boston. It's like, this is wild. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. I mean that, and like seriously, a lot of bands like got their jump off from the East coast because that's how you could build an audience, you know? like all the weekend warrior bands before they turned into real bands would just run up and down the coast, you know, do you know how many times bands like, you know, Hey, Preach and Lamb of God and all of that stuff would just like do the weekends and run up, you know, we're going to do Virginia, then we'll do Philly, you know, or then we'll do Baltimore and then we'll, New York, Connecticut, Mass and just like circle up and down, play four or five shows. And, and uh, yeah, like that just had everybody over here would just do that, you know? So we'd get the stuff, from the south and the north that would always just like include new jersey we were dead in the middle of it you know sort of this perfect like crossroads point for the whole coast over here yeah and the shows were awesome everybody wanted to come play here too because we the, sh- the shows were crazy you know and like highly attended there was like a you know there was like a real fan base for extreme music in, in new jersey at that time like you know, that would have rivaled almost any scene in the country for sure.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Uh, so what were kind of like, you know, uh, some of your, I guess, gateway bands as it were that, you know, really started to, you know, get you interested. I mean, like you said, once you went to a couple of shows, you knew you wanted to, you know, play in a band and stuff like that, but what were kind of, you know, your, uh, your, your touchstones early on?
2: Um, a lot of the early victory stuff, you know, one of the, I think all at war was one of the first shows I went to, um, like the harder stuff from this area played played out a lot. Um, you know, you had you had like E Town Concrete, which was like a New Jersey staple at the time. Yeah, area from Brooklyn and uh, like Fury of Five. Like I was, I was, I like the hard stuff. Yeah, and, you, and you, you
1: you you're a you're a pseudo yeah. pseudo thug.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought I ate it up because I did like ra- I, like as a child up until you know the end of middle school i uh i listened to a lot of rap music cuz that was just like pop, that was like you know the well, whole what was popular yeah yeah rap like explosion of the time i was i was super into it to me that was extreme you know i liked it was the the form of extreme music that i had found you know and then grunge was extreme music to me and then you know Metallica was extreme music to me and slayer and then I saw a couple of hardcore shows. So I'm like, oh no, this is this is it. Right, like, this, is... This, is, this is just the sum of all these parts into the the most realized, like over the top extreme stuff, you know. um And then, like, you know, the more that was like my gateway, and then the more sort of, uh, I guess I'll call it artistic side of stuff started to creep in and dillinger exploded and you know converge would come down here a lot and it, it was like then i got kind of got introduced into like a more you know that world of like the tech uh, side more for creative hardcore you know like where yeah where it kind of opened me up to like new ideas with music and i was really into a, a lot of those fans and kind of took a deep dive and found botch and cave in and all, all those great records and um i think like a lot of yeah, it was like, and the, the great part about this time was like, all these bands would just play shows together. So it was like you didn't, you got to see all of it, you know? I mean, there were so many shows around here that were like, oh, we're gonna do um, it's gonna be like Converge and Heap and E-Town Cocker. Yeah. And it, it's like, there's so many different things happening, you know, where it's like, yeah, it, it was just great to, it was great to be exposed to all of that at once. And I liked all of it, you know? And I still like all of it, but it, it kept my it kept things fresh and it kept my like mind open to like, this is cool. And so is this. Yeah. And I think that, I think being exposed to so many um, different styles of music, like kind of acting uh, like on these like collective shows uh, was real really important for me to develop as a musician. And even today I still attribute that, that time as like, this is how I learned how to like, how, what music was like, how to make music and, It all comes from that time.
1: Yeah, no, I, I really I, I appreciate that picture that you paint, because I do think it's important that like, you know, as you're doing your musical discoveries, you're kind of lifting up these rocks and finding all of these other, you know, genres and subgenres on top of each other. And you travel down that hole until you kind of reach your your, you know, limit of like, OK, this is, you know, I've got enough or whatever. Usually when you're a kid, there's never enough. But yeah, being able to kind of combine that all together leads you to having a more, uh, holistic picture of what you know music can be. It's like yes, you can like E Town, and then you can also like a band like the Luddite Clone or whatever. <laughs> you know, like they're not mutually exclusive.
2: Yeah, and I think at the time the bands like were on board with that too. You know, more so than you see today. Like you don't see as much of that extreme crossover within the subgenres today on touring and stuff because people have a tendency to like maybe play it a little safer and book the style of tours that are more down the line and work and i get that you know there are fan bases that are more closed-minded and just want what they like at, at it when they go to see a show and you have to stack a line up a certain way so I, I do understand it but it was like at the time i think like the mentality of it all was like you know that the community as a whole was more interesting and better off if everybody played these did these shows together and and supported each other to in like a more extreme way you know
1: yeah oh no i i I mean i I definitely agree and uh, you know while this may sound like you know we're viewing the past through rose colored lenses i think it is one of those things where usually i mean bands like that played together because (laughs) you know there was either uh you know a lack of amount of bands to play with Uh, Or it was just kind of like you said, it was kind of hardwired within the communities around the country that it's like, yes, like an emo band would play with a hardcore band would play with a, you know, a screamo band or whatever the case may be. It would be just like uh, kind of a default of that particular area where it's like, oh, yes, like everybody plays together because, you know, whatever. That's what we do here.
2: Yeah, I mean, for sure, the fact that there were less bands made it more. Okay, well, this is how you have a good show, you know, Uh, and now today, it's probably to a point of oversaturation where it's like, well, these are the bands that go with these bands, you know. Um, And at the time, you know, I I had no perspective on any of this stuff. I was just excited. You're just consuming it all. Getting a little of everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
4: How doers get more done.
1: Band merch is something I've been obsessed with ever since I started to go to shows. I just loved the aesthetics and buying merch. And then once you could order merch through mail order, my world expanded in ways that I could never, ever come back from. And rockabilia.com is your source for everything band merch related. If this website... Well, first of all, if the internet existed when I was 14 or 15, my brain would explode already. But if this website existed... Uh, you know, when I first started to buy band merch, it would be game over. <laughs> it's already game over because I have, I don't know, I would probably venture a guess probably 600 plus band shirts. It's ridiculous. But anyways, use this code PC100Words that gets you 15% off your order. You're supporting a small business. These people are hustling to get your merch, your long sleeves, your sweaters, your, um, you know, th- anything. They have puzzles. They have, I'll bet you, you can find swim trunks on there because, you know, it is getting into summertime. So Rockabilia is your source for all of the officially licensed merch that you could possibly shake a stick at. Bands get paid. You're supporting an independent business. It's just that there's a win win scenario all the way around. So, rockabilia.com, browse to your heart's content and use the code PC100Words. That gets you 15% off your order. Very, very cool stuff. So, thank you, Rockabilia. And now, here's the rest of the show. And so, uh, uh, like you mentioned, you know, you, uh, you were going through school and getting exposed to music and the idea of playing in bands and stuff like that. Um, you know, what was your, I guess, kind of, uh, vision as far as like, cause I mean, clearly you went to college. What did you study in college?
2: I was going to school for biomedical engineering. Um,
1: well, that is, was... that's pretty ridiculous. Well, like that's, <laughs> you, yeah. that, that's a lot, dude. <laughs> yeah, it, w- it was,
2: uh, it was pretty tough. It was a pretty tough curriculum too. and. It was like studying microbiology, and it was like at the at the time the new like I guess the wave in that field was nanotechnology, so there was a lot of stuff geared towards that, and how like micro robotics work, and getting into like you know prosthesis stuff, and um, it was like pretty intense, pretty crazy design classes, and um, it was like a really it was a wide background I had to understand mechanical engineering electrical engineering all you know physics biology all different forms of like microbiology classes and it it was it was pretty yeah it was a it was a lot it was a lot that field requires um such an understanding of like all the sciences combined you know right it's not like being a chemist and needing just to know how chemical reactions work with, the other, with each other in the periodic table and stuff. It's like, you really have to have a grasp on so many levels of expertise at once. Um, I was like, yeah, I was just like, this is a cool, I liked, I love the idea of the field because I felt like it was, that was like on the forefront of what science was doing, you know? And um, I worked at Lysol for a little bit with like a work internship, school connect kind of thing where I was like, you know, testing Lysol products, you know, testing like Lysol products and seeing how they react with certain forms of like highly contagious diseases and all this stuff where, you know, some scary, some scary stuff, but also like it was, it was interesting, but the, the taste I got from that field was that um I think the real driving factor that led me away from that stuff was that the, creative thinking side of it was pretty much dried up and disappeared like maybe it's a testament to where our country was at the time but research and development was gone you you know what what I had kind of gathered towards the end of my stay at college there and from working with that company and stuff it was not it was no longer about like how can we invent new things and how can we create something that is going to change the world for the better it was more about like all right, this is what we have. We don't have any money to do anything better. How do we just like make more more money
4: uh,
2: redesigning this so that it saves our company money, you know? And, you know, when I started, towards the end of my college day, I started to look at what the job field was like and people weren't even hiring, um, you know, biomedical engineers. They just wanted mechanical engineers. They just wanted people, to kind of redesign to re-engineer things to make them uh, more cost efficient that was like it was all like a dollar game at that time and uh it really really turned me off I think that was partially a real driving factor to me to decide that this wasn't going to be for me I wasn't gonna take all this knowledge and all, all this like kind of struggle I had through college of like building my brain up to this point where i can work in this field to just go work for somebody to try to save them eight cents on a on a prosthetic leg you know right. i didn't feel i just didn't feel good about it and i just saw into the future about how this career was just gonna depress the hell out of me you know yeah and uh it, it was definitely a part of my uh turn away, turn away from that stuff i think
1: no, that's that's super interesting because I, I and I'm sure, too, a lot of it, you know, uh, y- y- since you were attracted to this and, you know, clearly you had an experience with the subculture. And I'm sure by that point, you know, had maybe had some tattoos and, you know, you didn't probably look like a sort of, quote unquote, conventional, um, you know, uh, a conventional person following this career path. Um, you know, did people kind of look at you weird where it was like, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> what what is this guy that like, you know, kind of looks like he likes aggressive music or something like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, my experience in high school was basically my experience in college, too. I still didn't super fit in, didn't have friends, like being, you know, I, I I didn't look like everybody else at my school. And I'm wearing, you know, pretty polarizing shirts and have tattoos and all this stuff. And, it, you know, it was like who I was, but I was like pulled in with like, you know, these are like I'm at a school full of like, you know kids who have been groomed their whole lives to be scientists and doctors and things like that who like look at me like I'm a piece of trash you know (laughs) and it's like it's fine I get it like I I looked the part it's cool um but I like yeah I just never gelled with that world the same way you know I did with the music community and it was just apparent through my whole stay there too that it's like yeah these I had some friends and stuff, but it, it still wasn't the same kind of connection that I had outside of, uh, you know, college. And I think a lot of it, you know, maybe that was part of the driving factor way too. It's just like, hey, this is just like a world you don't really fit into. And even though you're kind of interested in it and you're trying to, it's just like, it's just not for me. Yeah, yeah,
1: this is not this is not vibing with you um so like like you said you know when you uh got taken in by the music community and started playing bands and stuff like that um you know did it, i presume kind of your first band started you know in high school or did it start a little bit later or what uh what was that trajectory yeah i like?
2: was i think i was in like ninth grade and we were we had already had a band you know and we were already playing like actual hardcore shows because like like we said earlier there weren't a ton of bands around here we had friends we were a local band that people would come to see and um we got to play so many awesome shows that we didn't deserve to play just because i do one, i
1: like, love oh. that yeah i love that when you yeah. find that space of you being the local band that gets the call like you know whatever once every other month to be like oh yeah can you want you want to play the show with hatebreed or converge And you're like we don't belong on this show but of course we'll play
2: yeah well i mean man we played so many shows we probably didn't deserve to play <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was out of control. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it was a blast. Like, right, I was I was playing these kinds of shows when I was like 15 years old, you know, and uh, you know, our band wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. Um, we were just kids having fun, but we like were really into it, you know. And uh, I I knew there wasn't a future for that band, but we were. I was definitely. I had no intentions of ever stopping doing it, you know. And when that band came to an end, I just started another band and then tried again and kind of tried a couple different genres and you know played played with some metal bands and you know played with like an indie rock band for a bit and all all the way up through you know until I got really serious at the studio I was just always just like in a few bands you know just trying to like jam and meet new people and figure stuff out play different kinds of shows so we you know I had like yeah I did just a good run of being in and out and stuff but I don't ever think I was good that's the thing you know um i don't i think i was really i was really enjoying it and interested in it but i didn't get it at all like i never wrote a song that i thought like like i i didn't get it i didn't understand what i was doing and i probably wasn't a very good musician and i i like you know i had plenty of opportunities where if i had put the right song together, wrote the right record. Uh, You know, uh, the band could have become a thing at the time. And and I just don't think we were, I was ever good at it. And I think later in life, I think i us start to understand the, like why music connects a a lot better than when I did as a kid.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it, it's cool when you you know kind of do what you are doing in regards to playing with a bunch of different people and different styles of music and you know kind of just collecting this wide palette in the same way that you were listening to bands you know uh, that were you know different genres and subgenres because then yeah it kind of adds to your perspective and then finally when you you know are at a space where you are a little bit better than what you were when you were 16 or 17 years old you can kind of pull all these desperate parts together and be able to you know kind of uh, you know be able to like, at least a, a little bit more confidently do what you what, what's in your head you know which is cool
2: yeah it took me I had to work in a studio and work with some real bands I had to be exposed like more directly I think to like bands on a higher plane of existence I think to understand how horrible I was and be like oh okay I don't do, I don't do it I don't do this like this. I don't approach writing songs like this. I don't, like, think about these types of things when I go to sit down to, to make music or, yeah. you know, like, my whole my, – I mean, it was, like, such a crazy crash course and, like, everything you do sucks. Like, pay, pay attention. You know? <laughs> totally. um, but, you know, I sponged everything up over the years. To I me, mean, I still do. I still learn from – bands I work with and and uh, uh, you know every time I make a record I feel like I leave it going with like a new tool somehow you know Uh, even if it's what not to do you know sometimes I even sometimes I get I finish a record and I go okay now I know like where I should never go with music (laughs) yeah because yeah you know you see a problem or whatever and it's like okay this type of approach or this type of song or this just like that doesn't connect like so so don't do this you yep. know don't and use it as a reference in the future if you find yourself here again you know totally uh, So yeah i think the like that i don't know it's it's an unteachable thing really if you just had I, I was just i just became so absorbed with making music in this world for so long that now i can look back at it and be like i get i kind of get all the ins and outs of it now to a point where if i want to write music i'm in such a better place
1: you know yeah no absolutely um and and i and i know that you mean you've uh, spoken about this in many different interviews and stuff like this but you know when you started to work with uh you know machine and started to you know kind of be uh you know his engineer assistant whatever you want to call it um you know, that, what was kind of your first experiences, like similar to what you were talking about, where it's like, Oh, once I see a more quote unquote professional band, uh, you know, do stuff, you start to learn, but, you know, what were some of those early memories that you have in regards to like, wow, I can't believe I'm being able to watch this band, like, you know, do this record or, you know, be able to kind of be that fly on the wall, even though you were obviously working, um, that kind of, you know, really just like blew your mind
2: yeah so the the first record, which was also my first day of work, you know that I had ever experienced or anything like that um when I got hired to be like machines intern, he had just had like a kid and he needed a band he needed somebody in the studio to just like kind of babysit a band and hit record when they were you know they were writing mm-hmm. and the deal was like I would just sit i would just sit there not talk, do nothing and when the band had an idea, uh, that they wanted to document. Um, I would just hit, I would just hit record, you know? And I watched, um, I watched, uh, this band called blood simple, which was, Oh um, dude,
1: such a good record.
2: It was, you know, a couple of the guys from VOD who was, who at the time was one of my favorite bands, you know, I, I loved VOD as a kid. And, um, this was my first like actual, um, this was my first experience in a recording studio. As like working in a recording studio, I was gonna sit there and watch like guys from VOD write music, you know. Um, so it's like it was like that was like the first time I ever watched a band that I was like, I think, you know, I, I thought VOD was an incredible band, and I was like, I'm, I can't believe I'm actually gonna watch these guys like write a record, you know. Um, that be, to be honest, I don't love Blood Simple, but I I loved the i love what they were going for at the time you know it was like a different it was like a bit you know vod at that time had sort of fizzled out and this was like a new endeavor for these guys and uh they were like just just hearing those guys talk about the perspective that they had on music at the time and having the goals in mind and i don't know it just had opened me up to like man i never really put this kind of thought into writing music you know and um even though I don't like particularly love that band or anything, I've learned so much from just watching that band, yeah. you know, cause they are a, at, at the core, they're great. They're all great musicians. And uh, to be able to just like be exposed to that, was was like super inspiring to me, you yeah. know, uh, as like a guy, as such a green person at that time.
1: Right. No, no, no. That's a rad experience. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, yeah, the, the record is not flawless. That's for sure. But it's like, I remember when that came out and it was like, you know, anybody who obviously came from the punk or hardcore scene was just like, oh, dude's from VOD. And it was like, you, you saw what they were trying to do. They obviously wanted it to be, you know, more polished. Yeah, they were,
2: they yeah. were trying to do a different kind of band. And I knew that it wasn't even for me, but I saw them. Know that also, you know, like they knew they knew that they were going to write music to alienate people too, but they were trying to do so, like they were going for something else. And I'm like, man, I've never even, like, I don't know, they were just, they, I, it was just a perspective on stuff that I had never even seen a band write to suit a certain goal, like to reach a to reach a, a some kind of goal, not even in the world that they came from. Up to that time, I just wrote everything I liked and I didn't care about anything, you know, right. or tried to. And, and uh yeah it was like oh wow they're like there's like a different target in mind here there's like a this, this whole thing is approached differently and they're taking steps in a direction and avoiding certain things that they would normally fall back on and it, it was it was just like i couldn't even i can't really even put all of the detail into words but it was just like a really eye-opening experience you know
1: yeah no 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 i appreciate you 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 speaking about that um you know, two things I want to hit on before I let you go. One of them was that, you know, I mean, with, with fit for an autopsy, um, you know, you, you made the, you know, decision and honestly, I don't know exactly where on the timeline in regards to, uh, you know, you, uh, not wanting to tour, obviously from the fact that, you know, you're busy producing records and all that sort of stuff. Um, that that's a really interesting and weird thing that not only the band is because, you know, it's incredibly successful and obviously you've put out a ton of records and, you know, you being the sort of musical brainchild of it all. Um, you know, I, I, I don't even know if there's a question wrapped up into this, but like the, the idea of you being like, Hey, I'm going to put all this stuff together. You know, we'll uh, I'll, I'll get some of, uh, you know, my, my friends to go out there and tour and play with it. Um, you know, that's uh that's not conventional. Well, <laughs> and i'm sure you no, rec- it's, i'm sure you recognize that of
2: course it's not yeah and i uh, people get confused about it all the time <laughs> right. and I mean, still to this day if we put a song out and i'm in a music video or something everyone's like who the fuck is that guy?" <laughs> I was like, all right well first of all yeah hold on you know, yeah, yeah 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 i well the band so the band had started like shortly after i had started at the studio to the point where I was like able to record our first demo, you right, know? So right. we were a b- barely, but able to do it, you know? And um, then over like the first, like initial couple of years in this little gestation state there, we, um, the band started to grow as my studio career started to grow, you know? And then I was getting to this point where I was like, kind of becoming my own guy, producing my own records. And I was like right at that cusp of like, okay, I can do this full on now. Like I, to pay all my bills. I'm starting to record bands that I kind of like and you know the, the budgets are getting pretty good and people are actually calling me to make records and I'm starting to make new relationships and it was also feeding into the band because the interest in the band was growing. People were liking the records we were making and then I was kind of getting calls based off of those records and then we were touring with bands that I was also recording. You know, I like I would work with a band because they liked uh that fit record that I had made and then uh, those bands would wind up even like touring together because we would meet, hang out, like that community was like kind of, you know, we were all those all those like circles were just connecting, you know, with each other at the time. And the band you know, the band started for fun. It didn't start as like a we're gonna do a full time band. It it would never the intention of it never was. It was like we we're just gonna play shows around here and have fun. Like it, it, I had no one thought we would be a band like that 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 did 10 months of touring a year you know um so that started to pick up and i did some touring with the band and then i realized like the strain it was going to put on the studio you know and i was like hey if i do this band full-time i'm not going to be able to have this career like i'm not going to be able to have a studio to work out of machine's going to get another guy in there like i can't be gone all year people aren't going to call me for records because i'm not going to have any records so i just had you know i sat down with the guys we had like a transitional period where you know our our drummer had the same itch and he you know got cold feet about full-time touring and we were like okay we have to replace him and i was like yeah we should we just talk about this right so what is the goal of the band you know and The guys who were in the band wanted to do it full time. Then they were like, you know what? We're getting these offers. The band's growing. Like, let's do it. I'm like, look, I can do everything in my power to like work on this band, make this band awesome. Like, I was invested in the band, and these guys were my very close friends. And I was like, I don't want to leave you high and dry. I'll still commit to everything I can do with this band, but I can't tour full time. You know. Like I'll, I'll write music, record music, handle the business, do you know everything that can keep this band growing and doing better. But this is just like where I have to draw the line because I will literally lose my lifetime career. Like I knew at that point, if that I would lose my ability to be a record producer. Sure. And they were they got it, you know. And I was like, let's find a guy. Who's great at guitar? Who can do a better, even a better version, probably, of what I can do on a guitar? And let's let's add him to the band. Let's make have a six-piece band. Like he's just a full-time member, not a in because he's not gonna be a filling. He's gonna be the guy in for the long haul, and uh, and I can stay home and make records and, and work on and work on all the fit stuff, you know, from afar. And it's it, it was a strange relationship initially, but it's like. I mean, it works out so good for our band. Right, totally. I'm able to stay productive at at home. I I manage the band and can handle like so much without having to, you know, being on tour and also trying to take care of all the stuff can get, you know, pretty hairy because they have their own things to worry about and their own day-to-day routine and tour managing stuff. And it's just become this like really good relationship where, you know, I'm still able to like, contribute to the band and help help grow it and handle writing and recording stuff like and be be able to stay creative with the band while they're busy playing a million shows and yeah, we just it's it's very unconventional, but um for us it think it works out great, you know. And the band's only grown since then. Like we haven't had a sidestep or any you know, right now we're in a better place than we ever were and I think um you know, it, it's not broken. So yeah, <laughs> so no, just, no just happy that it worked
1: out. Right. Right. No. And I, I really, I mean, I, I like that just because it's like, you know, what I've sort of recognized about you from afar is the fact that you really, you know, enjoy the business aspect of not only obviously your production career, but you know, the band stuff as well. And not everybody can kind of step into that, um, and be, um, you know, like not not only just like be proficient at it, but, you know, you you've had this really kind of specific focus on both uh, aspects of what the business is and enjoy it. And I think when you yeah. kind of combine those two, because, you know, I mean, you know, just as much as I do, because we have many, many friends that exist in the same ecosystem as us, where it's like their you know, business person in the band uh, gets kind of thrusted, you know, it gets foisted upon them. And it's not like they chose it because they're good at it, you know, and it's like it, it it's. Yeah. It's a hard thing, but, you know, you've been able to kind of balance that.
2: I wouldn't say I enjoy the business aspect of it. Okay. Enjoy is a crazy word. But I, <laughs> I've i seen enough stuff be mismanaged, and, like, I just felt like, at least now, I feel like I'm in a good place to take care of the band on the business side and not, you know, I we really haven't crossed paths with another person where I felt like they'll – they'll be as involved and invested in the band as like i would just be if i did it you know um i i think that's the only reason why i just chose to handle it all because i knew i could kind of do it i knew i could all the things the band was trying all the goals that the band were you know was looking to do and all the hills we were trying to climb i was like i think i could pull all this off you know and uh like if we can just do it ourselves there's nothing better not that it's like fun to be manager all the time because i i like it at times and at times i want to pull my hair out right you're you're a manager too and i have a full-time job making records so in in, sometimes it can be a bit of a task you know but i was like i'd rather just work it through the right way We're, we're always making the decisions ourselves and we always have the best interest of the band in mind and you know we we rarely disagree as like a band on what steps should be or what, what a decision should be made. Having an outside person force us to do something that we maybe wouldn't want to do. I don't think uh, necessarily would, would be a great idea for us because we've trusted our instincts from, you know, the beginning and like have been on a good path with the band. So again, if it's like not broken, I'm not, you know, there's nothing to fix. I'm just happy that it's working. Um, But yeah, it's like, i don't know i just fell into it and i and i think it's um you know for me it's like a it's as a, as an artist i'm very attached to the whole process with that band and i, I just want to make sure it stays as pure as it is for us right now
1: yeah know? no for sure i mean that there's no there's no greater um you know control of you know the artistic vision than when you're kind of like pulling all of the parts moving together and not only the creative process, but the business process as well. And so, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. And yeah, just not everybody. Yeah. yeah not everybody has the uh, patience or proclivity to be able to kind of, you know, do both. So it's just, it's cool that you have a brain for both. That's what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to be honest, tomorrow we got a call from somebody who wanted to manage the band who said, Hey, I have this idea. I want to do this. This is where I could see, this is where you're kind of not hitting this, or you're messing this up, and this could be better. And if I saw a whole plan in front of me that was better than mine, I'd be like, you know what? Let's go do that. You know, but yeah. I just, like I haven't. You know,
1: yeah, it hasn't the type come of up
2: musically. Play and the size of the band that we are, it's. I don't really think there are like vast opportunities to work with uh, somebody else on like a management level that we're necessarily missing. You know, um, but I'm, uh, you know. someone someone's got to be better than me at this so i'm happy to have that
1: conversation totally totally um you know the last thing i want to hit on was the fact that you know i mean your production work especially over the past you know whatever, we'll call it, you know, three to four years, not only have you been incredib- incredibly prolific, but, um, you know, you've created these real intimate and deep relationships with so many bands you work with, you know, whether it's Knock Loose or, you know, Straight from the Path or Counterparts. And, like, you know, you ostensibly become, like, you know, the sixth or seventh member of, of bands. Um, and, you know, uh, many people look at, uh, you know, it's like... <laughs> I mean, I see this conversation happen all the time where, um, you know, from the music industry perspective, where it's just like, oh, Will's Will's booked up for like the next, you know, year. Or so maybe we need to think about somebody else or whatever the case may be, um, you know, and then obviously work ebbs and flows where there can be, you know, peaks and valleys and, uh, you know, a. Uh, producer de jour for a couple of years can, you know, maybe fall out of favor for one reason or another, not saying that's going to happen to you, but I know that you've probably observed it as well. So like, is it one of those things where you're like, you know, uh, you, you, I guess, uh, you know, the, the idea of like worrying about your demand, uh, outstripping uh, the uh, idea of longevity, like, you know, is that, is that something you kind of wrestle with or think about?
2: I definitely, have been concerned about longevity. I think, um, there was a while back. mm, I want to say maybe like five years ago or so. I don't even, I don't, I don't know the specific time, but there was like a, a year there where I had done a lot of the same stuff I felt like to me. And I was like, this is, um, maybe heading in a weird place where I'm not going after, I'm not working with like the right, the right stuff where I feel like, this is going to sustain me you know Um, not that the bands weren't good or that I didn't have success that year because it was a good year but um, I was starting to worry about that uh, like a few years ago and I did make a conscious effort to be like I need to uh, not care about budgets if something is like awesome I need to try to do it and you know just, just for me it was important to just make important records you know And I did take a year or two where I was like, I I, I think I spent like a year being like, I'm going to try to do a lot of records uh, with bands that I never worked with, even if they're smaller or they're not like, you know, my go-to bands per se or, you know, the the ones that I had already had been doing deeper into their catalog records for and stuff. I was like, I need to find, you know, some stuff and connect with new people and make some records that I think will like start some careers and bring some bands to the forefront of stuff and then I did like pursue bands like you know Knock Loose and Vane and Incendiary and it was just like stuff that I knew I was passionate about I'd like connected with the music and I was like I see that I can do stuff with you or you know I like I, I understand what your band's doing and I have like a background in this where I think we can make um some really important records again and I would just like I just kind of hit those bands up, you know? And um I wound up making I wound up like having a really rewarding time doing that. You know, it was like it was great for me mentally to like only work with stuff I was like really into. And even though these bands were younger or less established or whatever it was like that I just like saw it in the bands. I kinda wanted I wanted to like take shots on stuff like that. And um yeah, I mean some of it's worked out great and um, now it's like bands that I have these relationships with that are on higher platforms that will continue, hopefully we'll continue to work together and grow together and stuff. So I do, um, I do think about that a lot, you know, and, um, I do, I, I hate that people think that I'm too expensive or always booked <laughs> because yeah, I, I always try to make, I always try to make stuff work if it's the right project. Like there's never been a time where an incredible band has showed up asking if we could work together that I haven't figured it out, you know, whether that's like a schedule or a budget or whatever, there's always like, I always try to find a way to make those types of things happen. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it it, because it does. It's funny, because I look at like, just certain people where it was like, uh, you know, whatever in the early two thousands where it's like literally everybody was recording with Brian McTiernan. Um, and of course like his situation, you know, was different because he basically just got tired of producing records and shifted away from it. But it's like so many people get kind of, you know, foisted into this, um, this place where it's just like, Oh yeah. Like, Oh, everybody wants to work with him. So like, I'm going to zig while everyone else is zagging, you know, it's like, Oh yeah. Then all of a sudden, like that person through no fault of their own, then starts to get, you know, not included on a lot of like pitches for bands and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's, you know, sometimes it's, uh you know, sometimes it's whatever the producer's fault or what have you. And then other times it's just like, well, no, that's just the, the nature of the business. And so, um, yeah, I was, I was just kind of curious about your perspective.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is like, um, and it's to no fault of any particular producer, but people just have a sound, too, you know, and part of it is like designing productions and records that are unique and tailored to the band you're working with. Um, And I've seen when I see guys fall out of fashion, a lot of times it's because they're not they're getting comfortable and kind of set in their ways, too. And a lot of the records that they make start to sound the same and that can be very off putting to other bands. It's like, oh, you want to go record with that guy? No, like I don't want it to just sound like this guy this record, you know. Sure. And I think a big part of a big part of having longevity is being able, you know, it takes more work, but you when you're when you're working with a band, you've got to give them something that or at least try to give them something that you haven't done before that no one that isn't on another record. Like you have to find the ways to make those kind of records make these records unique. And if you look at, like, some of the band, you know, like, in a year of stuff I've done, like, going from Four Years Strong to The Thy Artist Murder, like, those are different sounding records, you know? And, like, they, they don't even sound like the same guy made them, you know? And it's like, if I just had a sound, I would stop getting calls from bands like this because it wouldn't, you know, it's not going to apply. It's not going to apply for everyone. And you're going to just kind of, it kind of pigeonholes you and you lose the ability to work with. Uh, bands outside of from just the one particular production style you have um so I try to keep it interesting like uh, in that sense and I'm always like it takes more work and there's like a lot more I have to invest a lot more time and creativity into every record I make but I try to get records to a point where it's like cool this like you know this doesn't sound like the other records I made and that's cool you know yeah and uh you know when people are like oh yeah you have this sound it's great i get like oh, real uncomfortable like so oh, i love your sound like i'm like oh, i hate that you think i have that you know i mean yeah. it's inherent there's yeah. no way around it you just your ears are trying to go to a certain place so i definitely understand it but i was like i'm conscious of it and especially with the new bands i work with i'm like always thinking like i gotta make this not what i've done this has to be something fresh and You know, it's like, I think it's just part of the process, but it's also what keeps me interested in it too. And I think if I just made the same record over and over again, I'd be pretty over this pretty fast.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 People would be like, uh, yeah. So if you want uh, Will to make you the loudest sounding band possible, like, yeah, you just go to him for that. Uh, But don't think about him any other way. You know, And it's like, well, I mean, yes, of course, people are always going to think of you as being, you know, the heavy producer and, you know, working towards bands that kind of sound like that. But, you know, it, it isn't until I mean, to your point, it is always interesting when you have. Um, you know, I mean, it was like, dude, when hopes fall worked with, uh, you know, Matt Talbot from hum, it was one of those things where it's like, they could have worked with any producer in the early two thousands that could have harnessed their sound and done a really good job with it. But it, it wasn't until they looked outside of what would be considered the quote unquote typical realm to be able to kind of like expand the horizons and thought processes of bands. And then frankly, kind of, you know, make the recording process more, you know, democratized for bands to be like, oh yeah, like if I am this sort of band that, you know, if I am an indie rock band, I can think about Will Putney. (laughs) It's like, why not?
2: Yeah. To be honest, I love it. And I still have this mountain, I feel like, because, you know, nowadays like i mean i i listen to less heavy music than i ever have in my life and i listen to more bands in that world and i would love to record you know stuff like that but i don't really get the call for that because i'm still the guy who makes like all the scary music and uh, it's not you know it's not something i really should be complaining about because i'm happy and very fortunate to to even have a career to make records but it's like yeah i have a tough time getting over that you know and you're you're just known for the records you make that are popular and it's hard to like you know i I can sit down and i've I've been in a room with bands and had conversations with bands you know from outside these genres i work with trying to record them and you know those are the ones i usually lose you know which i get and if i was you know for a particular band i can understand the hesitation um but i've like you know i'm like trying to make a conscious effort to get out of the box as much as possible and try to kind of work with bands in different worlds because I just think as from a creative standpoint, I would come in with so many fresh ideas because this isn't stuff that I've beaten to death for years and years and years, like that I could do some really cool stuff, but it's hard to kind of, yeah, it's hard to get bands to take like a more of a risk on me per se, you know, yeah. because they're, you know, I'm not showing them records that sound like they're bad.
1: Right. The totally totally yeah it's not it's not like yeah again using an indie rock band as an example be like oh yeah you know (laughs) will make us sound super heavy and it's like well uh you know i mean i'm not gonna make you sound like you know uh harm's way like that's a little ridiculous but (laughs) yeah i understand what you're saying though Um, yeah
2: i mean i i get it i've like learned to swallow it like hey a lot of these bands aren't gonna be interested in recording with you because you just live in this world so much but um you know it only takes one or two and then something cool happens. And then, you know, if anything, I'll always say, like, look, I, I get why you're not, why this, it can be off-putting. But, like, I can take, I've had bands who were unsigned or very, very unestablished and, like, have put a vision together with the band, made a record, and it's worked. And I think just the ability to do that is useful for a band, you know, regardless of the genre, like, just to be able to kind of have a vision for a band and help them execute it you know it comes with it comes with its value and it's one of my you know if anything i could would consider it one of like more of my stronger points when it comes to record produ- production and approaching you know designing records and stuff but you know one day we'll see how it goes i'm not yeah. complaining. yeah everything's all right
1: yeah no no for sure well well thank you so much for hanging out dude this has been fun i appreciate you letting me uh, to get to know you a little bit more
2: yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. I'm a fan of the podcast, so it's a pleasure to be on. That's
1: awesome. All right, Will, that was great, and I appreciate him coming on the show. I appreciate uh, his publicist, uh, Tim, for setting this up. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have another great discussion next week with Toby Morell from Emory who, um, he does a, a podcast called bad Christian and that's kind of how I know him. I mean, obviously I knew Emery and, uh, you know, become friendly with some of those guys in the band. Uh, but he, his personality, uh, really came to light once I listened to that podcast. And once I really, um, you know, got to know him a little bit better on that front. So yeah, excited to have him and, uh, cause they have a new record that's coming out very soon. So that's what we got next week and, uh, please be safe, everybody.
4: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming!
1: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card...
3: Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it